0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, and he is Wes Hodkiewicz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, it's time for us to move on to our uh, second quarter of the 2017 season review. And in doing that, we will talk about the peak performances which is a feature on our website, Packers.com. Fans can go to the story, uh, read about the selected individual top performances from games five through eight of the 2017 season, vote for your favorite. So there are five of them to talk about and uh, and we'll run through them uh, quickly here, the first couple segments of the show, because... The first three are actually all from the same game, that big win over the Dallas Cowboys that uh, really, I guess when you look at it, was probably the single highlight, uh, probably biggest highlight of the season for the Packers in 2017. And three peak performances out of that game, quarterback Aaron Rodgers, running back Aaron Jones, and on the defensive side, cornerback Demarius Randall. I'll let you start wherever you want as far as which of those performances stood out to you the most.
1: I'm going to start with Aaron Rodgers on this because we didn't get a lot of Aaron Rodgers this season uh, due to that collarbone injury. And I thought you made a great point there in the introduction, Mike, you could put this up there, I guess, with the Bears game, but offensively, I think this was the best performance the Packers had. It was the most complete performance. They they finally were able to break through at the run game, which we'll talk about here shortly. But Aaron Rodgers was just so deadly in this game. And yeah. even the passes he missed, he found ways to correct them. And it just seemed to me, you know, there's been a lot of cat and mouse here the last few years between him and Rod Marinelli, the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. Each team has had their successes. Each team's had their failures. But on this day, I just thought Aaron Rodgers was just incredibly efficient in the passes, the performances he put together, the, the communication and chemistry with Devontae Adams. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to keep opening up a, a sore here for Packer fans, because I'm sure they would have liked to have seen this the entire season. But I think that this was the offensive output the Packers showed that day, really showed what they were capable of in 2017.
0: Yeah, and just to give you the rundown on the numbers from Aaron Rodgers in this game, 19 of 29, 221 yards, three touchdowns. Touchdowns, a 122.9 passer rating. Packers were down 21-6 in this game, West Came back to win 35-31. Obviously the most memorable part, a 75-yard drive took only 62 seconds, yeah. one minute and two seconds to go 75 yards to win this game, a 12-yard touchdown pass to Devontae Adams with 11 seconds left, and that uh, that final drive also included some of Aaron Rodgers' athleticism. He escapes yeah. a couple of potential sacks on a third and eight, scrambles for 18 yards, and then two plays later is where he hits Adams for the game-winning touchdown. A really top-notch performance, and then to hear him talk about it afterwards where the opening play of the final drive, a back shoulder throw to Devontae Adams that he essentially uses to set up a different type of back shoulder yeah. throw for the touchdown. A lot of really uh a lot of really amazing things about uh, the performance. But also, you mentioned the Packers got their running game going in this game and that was thanks to Aaron Jones. The previous game against the Bears, he had come in in the second half. Ty Montgomery, Jamal Williams both out with injuries. Showed something there the second half of the Chicago game becomes the feature back for this game against Dallas. 19 rushes, 125 yards, and a touchdown. It was uh, hello world to uh, uh, that Aaron Jones said that day down in Dallas, uh, a really impressive performance.
1: Got to keep in mind, too, this is a, ki- uh, a guy that traveled a lot as a kid, but his family eventually settled down in El Paso, and he had a lot of family and friends make that. I believe it was a seven- or eight-hour drive over Packers' running game at that point in time was sort of a work in progress. They had a really hard time, regardless if it was Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, or Ty Montgomery. They had a hard time establishing it for four quarters This was the game, I think, not only Aaron Jones needed, but the Packers needed to really establish themselves. And as it turned out over the last 10 weeks of the season, that ended up being one of the biggest strengths of this team is what players like Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams were able to do. It started with this game against Dallas, and you saw it sort of snowball from there with some of the other performances he put together in the weeks to come.
0: Yeah, and Jones making his first NFL start in this game, he became the first Green Bay rookie with a 100-yard rushing performance in his first start since 2005. I believe that was Sam Conner. Gatto, uh, a a street-free agent, so to speak, that the Packers picked up that year. But uh, Aaron Jones, a seven-yard touchdown run, also had a diving nine-yard catch along the sideline that helped to set up that TD run. Runs of 22 and 15 yards for some explosive plays. The 15-yarder coming on the game-winning drive, very smartly got out of bounds, the whole thing to stop the clock. Just a lot of really good things about that. The third one, peak performance from... The Cowboys game is on the defensive side, and it's cornerback Demarius Randall. And this one was chosen really because the previous game against Chicago, things did not go well for Randall. He was essentially banished to the locker room by Mike McCarthy to avoid any sort of sideline distraction after uh, you know a mix-up that led to a Chicago touchdown. A lot of emotions kind of getting in the way he ends up getting a pick six on Dak Prescott in this game against the Cowboys. That was a huge part of the comeback from the 21-6 to deficit. I personally felt this game by Randall was the one that turned his season around, maybe even turns his career around.
1: Yeah, I agree with you 100%, and as you were saying uh, that in terms of how really was able to flip the momentum in that game. That was a really demoralizing play for the Cowboys. Correct me if I'm wrong here. I think that was the first touchdown returned for an interception since Micah Hyde had one like, or it was a Casey Hayward had one two years prior to that Packers really had been looking for one of those type of game changing type plays off an interception to Randall was the first of four picks, a team high he ended up having in 2017. Uh, as you said, I think this was a start of a new chapter for him, and it's momentum that you hope he can continue to build upon now going into what will be his fourth NFL season.
0: Yeah, that pick six off of a ball that hit Terrence Williams, and uh, Demarius Randall was there to snag it, gave the Packers a 28-24 to lead early in the fourth quarter, their first lead of the game, and then they obviously had to retake the lead there yeah. at the end. But we've got a couple more peak performances from the second quarter of the season. To talk about. We'll get to those after the break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford in this chair, Wes Hodkiewicz in that one. And Wes, continuing our discussion of peak performances, games five through eight. Fans can go on Packers.com, call up the story and vote for their favorite um, these last couple from the second quarter of the season are from games the Packers unfortunately lost, but it doesn't take away from what these individuals accomplished, starting with linebacker Blake Martinez at Minnesota, the game that's obviously remembered for Aaron Rodgers' broken collarbone and uh the game that really changed the entire Packers season. But I thought this was the game 14 tackles, 12 solo tackles, a couple of tackles for loss on Latavius Murray, a deflected pass that Demarius Randall intercepted. I thought this was the game that really epitomized that first to second year jump that Blake Martinez made. I think we really started to see it here in Minnesota, even though it was in a loss.
1: Yeah, and it it was a point in time, I think I I always tell this story, but sometimes you forget about it with how he finished the season as one of the leading tacklers in the NFL, Come week one, going into that first game against Seattle, we didn't really know that Blake Martinez was going to be a starting linebacker, let alone an every-down linebacker for this defense. Up until that last preseason game, it really looked like it was Jake Ryan, Joe Thomas, and then Morgan Burnett as yeah. a hybrid linebacker. Yeah. Well, as it turns out, they end up giving Martinez a chance as the nickel linebacker at the start of the season. And just to see him build upon that and take it, okay, he was an early downback, uh, you know early down linebacker then he comes back and starts to really put together some really productive games and I don't know off the top of my head maybe you remember how many double-digit tackle performances he had this season want to say it was somewhere in the range of eight or nine yeah I was gonna say it,
0: it was about half the games I want to say incredibly
1: productive this was another part of that yes it didn't go how the Packers wanted to turn out the Rogers thing took a lot of the wind out of their sails, but defensively, uh, this was a big part of the Packers run defense, starting to get it together after a slow start.
0: Yeah, and the play I think that stands out to me the most, aside from the pass deflection, which uh, Randall turned into an interception to help the Packers get a field goal in this game, was there was a third down play, and it was a little swing pass check down type of thing to Jarek McKinnon out in the flat, and Jarek McKinnon's one-on-one with Blake Martinez. It was third and six or so. And McKinnon's job is to make one guy miss and get the first down. And Blake Martinez completely fundamentally sound tackle gets him down to the ground the Vikings end up having to punt a really sharp play because McKinnon can make a lot of guys miss in that situation and Martinez didn't give in
1: for my money uh, I think that's one of the best things that Martinez does in his games he's really good in open space and he seems to be really solid in the flat Uh, we saw that a couple times over the course of the season where if a running back or you know a slot receiver has one guy to miss there and can extend it for a first down or maybe an explosive play Martinez does a good job if he's not tackling him by himself He does a good job of holding the guy up and allowing guys to circle to the ball around him. And really, when you're looking at playing complete defense, and there's many areas the Packers are looking to improve going into 18, uh, that's definitely a good starting point for them.
0: Yeah, and uh, last but not least, as far as the peak performances from games 5 through 8, Aaron Jones, uh, again, (laughs) twice in this segment, I guess. But this one against the New Orleans Saints, this is Brett Hundley's first start at quarterback in place of Aaron Rodgers, and on the opening drive of the game, he takes the first carry for 15 yards. Then, just a few plays later, he bursts up the middle for a 46-yard touchdown. Yeah. And uh, again, just immediately showing that what he did against the Dallas Cowboys with that uh, 125-yard performance certainly no fluke. He ends up with 17 carries, 131 yards. A good chunk of them, obviously, on the on the first drive of the game. But again, uh, a rookie really showing up when the Packers needed him.
1: Yeah, and this is the thing that really impressed me the most about this. Performance uh, from Aaron Jones. You also have to remember, I think he ended up being, I want to say, the NFL ground player of the week and then maybe the NFL rookie of the week twice during these stretches. Yeah, he definitely
0: piled on some honors with what he did. And
1: this was an important time for the Packers uh, to start establishing that run because Brett Hundley was struggling to kind of get comfortable there at quarterback. They needed someone else to step up. And, you know, you know how running backs are in today's NFL. You get a guy that stands up, you have a guy that really, you know, takes that step forward and becomes a featured guy. The entire league is staring at you now. Aaron Jones wasn't going to catch anybody off, you know, off guard. New Orleans' defense was vastly improved, and they knew going into this game they were going to have to contain him. He still found a way to make plays, and I just think his explosiveness, he's shifty between the tackles, he can run stretch outside zone plays. He has to work on the pass protection now going into next season, but Overall, when you look in terms of what you look for in a complete back as a runner, he he kind of, for lack of a better term has the whole route tree figured out. Yeah, He, he yeah. can do whatever you know the Packers offense is asking him to.
0: Yeah, a quick statistical note, that 46-yard touchdown run early in the Saints game, the Packers' longest rushing touchdown since week 6 of 2015. So um, a big play there. So we've gone over all five of them, the three from the Cowboys game, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Demarius Randle, Blake Martinez against Minnesota, Aaron Jones against New Orleans. Do you have a favorite out of this quintet? Aaron Jones against the Cowboys
1: right. uh, just because Aaron Rodgers was incredibly effective that day, very efficient, but he did only have 221 passing yards in that. They needed the run game to get established and to, and to be productive, and that was really the, the, turning cor- the, the Packers' run game turning a corner yeah. from a slow start to becoming a pretty good unit by the end of the year.
0: Yeah, and if I had to pick one, I would go with Aaron Rodgers in that Cowboys game. It was obviously the last time we saw him really in peak form, yeah. obviously. And uh, just the fact that, you know, the Cowboys looking to avenge the playoff loss from the year before. They jump on top 21-6. to six. It looks like they might run the Packers right out of the building. Aaron Rodgers just keeps everything composed, puts together drives. The chemistry with Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, in some key moments for some touchdown passes really stood out. I thought it was, uh, you know, as I said at the beginning, I thought that was the highlight of the season for Green Bay.
1: And the Eagles had gotten off to a fast start, but the Cowboys were still viewed as the favorite in the NFC East. Absolutely. And at that point in time, they needed to catch up. I think everybody was really, high on them still and it showed the Packers in terms of really being able to go into their house and Aaron Rodgers continuing to play really well in that stadium.
0: Yeah all right with that we'll toss it to a break back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford here, Wes Hodkowitz over there. And Wes, we kind of rushed through those five peak performances from the second quarter of the season because I wanted to spend the last couple segments of today's show talking about those conference championship games from over the weekend and getting some of your thoughts. Let's start in the AFC, the New England Patriots, their seventh consecutive appearance in the AFC title game. They are headed back to the Super Bowl. They overcome a 20-10 Fourth quarter deficit with two touchdowns and knock off the feisty Jaguars 24 to 20. What are your
1: thoughts on how that turned out? Here's my thoughts, Mike. The Jacksonville Jaguars beat the New England Patriots in every single major category of this game. <laughs> Time of possession, 35.08 to 24.52. Third down efficiency, 40%. Patriots, 25%. You look at every single major area that you look to achieve and become uh, efficient in. And the Jaguars did it, except for one, situational football, the intangible, something that you cannot look at a statistic and say, well, this team is just better than this team in that area. New England Patriots play that. I said this in Insider Inbox this week. They play situational football as well as any team in the NFL. Bill Belichick, the adjustments that they made at halftime, getting a little bit of a spark at the end of the first half to kind of give them some momentum. But ultimately, Tom Brady making plays, Danny Amendola stepping up when they don't have Rob Gronkowski. It's just that's the thing that impresses me the most. You're looking at two teams now, in the Eagles and the Patriots, who have had to overcome adversity, have had to overcome injuries. It's just how things are in the NFL. Yeah. But having that next guy be ready when you don't have a star is ultimately – you need your quarterback. I'm not de- de- denying that. I mean, Nick Foles played really well too for the Eagles, but – To have the Danny Amendola's of the world step up, and also the Patriots' defense to play as well as they did after a rough season, I think you just have to tip your cap. It was frustrating, you know. You really thought the Jacksonville Jaguars were going to pull it out, and. You get the rug pulled out from underneath you.
0: Yeah, I just I felt the Jaguars executed their game plan almost to a T for three and a half quarters. They had a huge time of possession advantage. They were setting everything up to be able to pound the ball with Leonard Fournette in the fourth quarter to protect the lead. And New England's defense just did not give in. They could not. The Jaguars could not stay ahead of the chains with the running game in the fourth quarter because the Patriots were clamping down yeah. on it. It put the game in Blake Bortles hands, and and the Jaguars just were not able to convert enough first downs. In that fourth quarter to keep the lead, and I, I really thought the game changed. I know the end of the first half was a was a key sequence. The Jaguars are looking like they're going to score and extend a fourteen to three lead. They get a delay a game penalty that wipes out a third down conversion. They end up punting the ball back. And the Patriots go down and score before halftime to make it 14 to 10, a big, a big shift for sure. But then in the third quarter, the Jaguars got back to doing what they were doing. They were shutting down the Patriots. They kicked two field goals. They extend it to 20 to 10. So to me, the game hinged was about nine or 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. The Patriots have the ball. They're on their own 25 yard line. It's third and 18, Wes, third and 18 with a 10 point lead. Tom Brady converts that, I believe, to Amendola, if I'm not mistaken. I thought the game completely changed right there because that was the play – the Patriots were one of eight on third downs up until that point, And then they convert a third and 18. It sparks them for a touchdown drive to get within 20 to 17. And I felt from there, the Jaguars were just trying to hang on for dear life. And you could kind of feel like it wasn't going to happen.
1: Yeah. And, and for the defense, you know, for it to be against their defense uh, all season long, the Jaguars have been so good in that area of the yep. game and, and so sturdy. And, and it just showed to me, you know they have a lot of experience in the trenches. They don't have as much experience on the perimeter, um, and and you know opportunities are what they are. And Tom Brady, you know, made the most of them. Uh, the thing that I think, if you're looking at it from a hindsight perspective, and I know a lot of people mentioned this in Insider Inbox this week, I do wonder if you have 55 seconds to go and two timeouts at the end of the first half. Yep. there is that playing to win mentality and playing not to lose. I think he got a little too conservative there. It's it's easy to look at that now and say that, yep. but it just seemed to me that. Jaguars were just a little too cautious, and the Patriots are a little too optimistic. opportunistic.
0: Yeah, well, before we go to a break, though, I want to take care of a little sponsor business. Attention Packers fans, we're calling you to fill up with Campbell's Chunky Chicken Noodle Soup. We're talking delicious hearty soup packaged in an exclusive Packers Super Fan can. These cans are limited edition for all you football fanatics out there, so don't miss out. Go on, huddle up, and fill up with this hearty soup, Chunky Soup, the official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford alongside Wes Hodkiewicz. And Wes, before we go, I definitely have to get your thoughts on the NFC Championship game. The Philadelphia Eagles, 38-7 at home at the link over the Minnesota Vikings. I'm not going to say I'm surprised the Eagles won. I thought this would be a really hard-fought game. I definitely felt either team had a legitimate chance, certainly, to win this one. I did not see the Eagles winning by 31 points.
1: No, I don't think Vegas did either. It was, what, (laughs) three-and-a-half points spread in favor of the Vikings. Uh, Here's the thing. There was a couple years back, I remember seeing this interview with Doug Peterson. This is before he ends up going to Kansas City. He was still coaching high school football, his sons. And was saying, I'm perfectly content, you know, coaching high school football and just happy at the level I'm at.
0: Isn't that amazing?
1: This guy was born to be a head coach. Yeah. (laughs) And I think a lot of people said that even back when he was the backup quarterback for Brett Favre, what a game plan him and Frank Reich, that entire coaching staff put together to really disassemble what – The Minnesota Vikings do so well, and what was
0: inarguably the top defense. Absolutely, they were number one in yards and points. The whole thing.
1: They knew defensively what they were going to get out of Jim Schwartz's unit. They knew they were going to be in this thing, but they needed Nick Foles to make plays. They didn't need him to expose the football. They didn't need him to throw for five hundred yards. But to get this kind of performance, 352 yards, three touchdowns, a 141 passer rating, this was the 2013 Nick Foles everybody was raving about. Smart with the football, and every single time he needed to make a play, he made that play.
0: Yeah, and I thought the the way this game started, the Minnesota Vikings take the opening kickoff. They march 75 yards down the field, touchdown pass to Kyle Rudolph. They're up 7-0. You're thinking, oh boy, you know, Case Keenum's got it rolling. They've got all the momentum from the big win over the Saints the previous week, you know, the drama, everything. But then about halfway through the first quarter, suddenly everything shifts when the Eagles end up with a pick six. They get a a hit on the quarterback, so the ball floats a little bit, intercepted. Uh, weaves his way, you know, across, gets picks up a couple of big blocks and gets into the end zone. And suddenly, where the Vikings seem to have everything going their way, they're up 7 nothing, and you're thinking they're going to eventually get a two-score lead. It's 7-7. Seven to seven. I don't think Minnesota ever recovered from that play. No. I, I, it, it just se- it seemed to completely flip the game.
1: And to make that point, I just made the last segment, too, about Jacksonville getting a little bit conservative at the end of the first half. Eagles took the exact opposite approach. Not only did they have a lead... Doug Peterson, they kept the foot on the gas pedal, and to be able to get that extra touchdown, and then come out in the second half and get the football, too. It just seemed like a boxer that was against the ropes and just kept taking shot after shot and just never had a second to recover. Yeah,
0: and it's easier to do that when you're playing at home, too. Jacksonville had a different decision to make there. Philadelphia had the crowd going and everything, and and yeah, they put them away early in the third quarter, really. And now they're going to the Super Bowl. And they're going to the Super Bowl. With that, that's a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com, on Twitter, He's at West Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.